on this week's Devils in the Details. United overturned a 2-0 deficit to dominate and eventually beat Nottingham Forest. Today we discuss, was this a case of bad luck or defensive worry? What allowed United to get back into this match? And how can they survive at Arsenal next week with such limited available personnel? Alright Case, another week and another really weird match, but I also think this was a match that answered uh, some of the points we spoke to in the first two games. I thought United were better after conceding the two goals in this match. Um, How do you feel about this? Honestly, on balance, I feel really good. Uh, Obviously, you never want to go down two goals, but I had fun watching this match and I think United played well for the overwhelming majority of it. So, three points, I had fun. (laughs) I don't know what else I can ask for in general. Uh, What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think United were good in this match. Um, I didn't watch it live, but I watched it back and therefore was able to take my time a little bit more. And for the most part, I think this was the best performance so far. Obviously caveated by the fact that, you know, when you have a two-goal deficit, um, I think Forrest play in such a way that allowed United to get back into the match. Um, One thing we've talked about a lot on this podcast is how this United team tend to crumble when teams have leads and press them really high and United have to play out of it. Um, But Forrest didn't really do that. They kind of just let United take control of the game from the 2-0 lead position. And that meant United just played them off the park a little bit. And so, yeah, it was a good performance. I don't know how it would have played out if it was 0-0 from the start and stayed 0-0, but I think there were a lot of positive signs here. Yeah, I agree. I I think, obviously, Game State played a a big part in this match. But I think more than Game State, I think Forrest are just bad. Every time I see Forrest play, I'm shocked at how poorly organized they are defensively. And I don't think that poor organization is down to Game State. Now, of course, Game State is going to influence how deep you're going to sit. But I think my issue with Forrest's defensive approach is that they are really loose between the lines and that that in and of itself is a def- is a defensive depth and shape thing. Um, and that's true whether they're trailing or leading or uh, in a drawing game state uh, across many, many matches that I've seen them. I also think they're really bad about defending wide overloads, which United created a lot of those very easily in this match. Um, so like in terms of caveating this performance, uh, my biggest caveats would actually have more to do with I just don't think Forrest are very good than it, than than they would with match state because I think regardless of match state Forrest would have struggled with the things that we threw at them that they did struggle with uh, in in a in a losing game state. Yeah, I agree for the most part. I think with Forrest, what you're what you're getting is a team that have some level of attacking quality. I think at this at this level. Um, and that's the real threat that they pose. Whereas I think what we talk about a lot on this podcast is bottom half sides that have tactical pedigree that allows them to play United, which I don't really think Forrest have. Uh, but the likes of, you know, Taiwo Awoni and Morgan Gibbs White are good players who can threaten most teams in this division. So keeping them quiet is kind of the main challenge when you play Forrest. And obviously with that first goal, United failed 
to keep Taiwo Oni quiet. But for the most part, yeah, I think you're right that Force just don't really present that much by way of tactical execution that um, that produces something that hurts United. So, I mean, yeah, I think Gibbs White is very, very good. I really like Taiwo. Um, I think Gibbs White actually also delivered the set piece for the second goal. Um, so both played a part in Forrest's better moments in this match. However, um, for me, given the choice between a tactically organized side in the bottom half versus a side that's got, you know, good attacking quality, I don't think Gibbs White or, or Taiwo Awanee are elite players. Um, I would take the organized side, and I think this Forrest side are one of the worst organized sides in, in the Premier League. And I think that was true last season, too. I was surprised that they did not get relegated. Let's get, let's get into the match here. And I think this match actually makes a lot of sense to go chronologically, um, starting with the goals. Um, I think one of the things I said in the intro here was, you know, I, I think a key consideration that we've had so far is whether United's defensive breakdowns have been tactical or personnel-based or unlucky. Um, and in the Spurs match, we concluded that they were a combination mostly of personnel-based issues and bad luck. Um, but I'm not sure we could come to the same conclusion against Forrest here, because I don't think that conceding these two goals was unlucky, really. No, I I mean, I wouldn't say it was unlucky. I think, there's, I think we definitely, there's some stuff to talk about here. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to start? We'll start, we'll start with the first goal. Uh, United are on an offensive corner, and, you know, the ball drops to Forrest, which is fine. And then I think sort of like a lumped up 50-50 at... Wambasaka loses the header, and Taiwo is able to get a touch to take it way clear of the three men who are standing behind Wambasaka, and therefore initiate a one v one with Onana. I think there's a little bit to unpack there. Uh, yeah. So this all starts with the header, uh, which Wambasaka contests against Gibbs White. Obviously, he's at an advantage here uh, for this duel. If he wins this duel, this goal never happens. Definitely he plays a part. Um, but for me, this is not where this goal comes from ultimately. It's not the the cardinal sin here. Because you're gonna lose headers eventually. Like the, this is a headers are duels in the air are a probabilistic thing. Even if you're the best player in the world in the air, you will lose duels in the air. Wamsaka happens to be bad in the air, but I don't wanna I don't think you can blame him in this instance for the entirety of this goal. Um so with that said, I think the bigger mistake here is Rashford's positioning when Wamasaka chooses to engage in the duel. Um, when the duel happens, imagine these are two center backs, which they aren't, and I'll get to that in a second. But imagine that they were, if they were, uh, if one of them were to step up and try to win this duel the way Wamasaka attempts to, the other one should drop, not just stand where he is and watch the ball, which is what Rashford does. Um, and that's what allows for the ball to drop into space deep within uh, force half um, and allows for Awini to have all that space to take off into. Um, so I think that the main mistake here is Rashford's positioning when the duel happens. However, I have trouble blaming Rashford for this because this is not his job. Like it is his job to be in that space, but it's not what he's good at. And I, I don't think it would occur to most natural forwards to see a duel happen like that and to cover behind uh, if they haven't played the position, you know, in a deeper area at some point in their careers. Uh, and so 
I think this goal was primarily on Rashford, specifically because of his positioning, not because of what happens after he's out of position. But this is the kind of thing where I think you just need to make sure Rashford doesn't wind up in these situations more than it's like Rashford needs to do better. This is Rashford's fault from a work ethic or a you know a work. What's the word? Um, an engine thing. I, I don't. I don't see it as that as an issue in that capacity. Did you read it the same way? Uh, for the most part, yeah. I, I mean, I think these situations can be a little bit difficult for viewers to visualize where this back line should be um, because you want to both be aware of um, the space in behind you, but also be aware of the offside lines, which in this case, all three center backs are well past the half line, um, which means two things. When they're well past the half line, it means Rashford has space to drop back when um, when Wan-Bissaka contests the header, because if you're not at the half line, then you can't play the other player offside anyways. So he has that space between himself and the half line to take that step back and get into the space that Taiwo is going to take that touch into. Um, but then he can't be that much further back than that, because otherwise you have all this space for all this vertical space for the ball to be played. So I think, I think based on that, my intuition is that I agree I'm just not 100% sure. So just to be clear about what I was saying, and then we need to move on from this. Um, I was saying when Wambasaka steps up, Rashford should be dropping. Before the duel has even happened. The, yes. Yeah, correct. okay, okay. Yep. Just wanted to be yep. clear. Yeah, obviously he doesn't need to want, you don't want him to drop too far, but what he does, which is not move at all, but he barely moves, is definitely the wrong thing. And it's a pretty natural, simple thing if it's your position. Like, if this were Varane or Martinez, for example, they would do it pretty naturally. And this would have happened without consequence. However, it's a set piece. We're going to have more corners later this season. Um, you're going to have players who aren't necessarily naturals in this situation. In in this situation. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think you just need to make sure this doesn't happen with Rashford again. Like, don't have your forwards be your deepest players from corners. Wambasaka obviously is not a forward, but I don't know. Maybe maybe keep Dallow back as well, or whoever the other fullback is, um, or keep Martinez back. Like th- there are a lot of ways to do this, such that you just do not confront this situation again. Yeah, because like as soon as you have Rashford as the deepest man, no matter what the situation is, even if it were like a a much more advantageous situation or less advantageous situation, you're in a bad spot. Um, like, that is just not how it's supposed to work. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, Awani winds up in. He winds up in a one-on-one with Onana. Any thoughts about the one-on-one, Aaron? I mean, it wasn't ideal, obviously, but it that's a difficult position, and Awani takes it incredibly well, so. Yeah, I mean, I think my the way where I sit on this is the first thing Onana does is correct, which is he waits instead of rushing. Um forces along he, he seems to put he puts Awani in a situation where in a lot of cases you're gonna force a long a long distance 1v1 and be uh deep which puts you in a good position to save it then Awani faints and Onana does I think what most goalkeepers would do to be honest and he goes to ground but obviously it's a faint he gets done like there's no arguing that um and then he gets beat but I don't think this is actually... It looks goofier than it actually is, in my opinion. I think it's perfectly okay goalkeeping. Like, is this just a thing that happens? Like, if he'd rushed out, 
and you know he just like slides it past him or I don't like we're not talking about this and it's just like that would that would have been a bigger mistake from a process standpoint um I'm much happier to see him get beaten like this where it's a genuine piece of quality to sit him down than I would see him make a positional mistake which he didn't do so uh I, I think Abani just takes the chance really well yeah, I agree with that. I think I think now is a good time to talk about the second goal, um, which I which I am less worried about than the first goal. I think I don't think this is mu- is as much a systemic issue as it is uh, a set piece error. I mean, Dalo obviously commits the foul here. I don't really think the foul is anything abnormal. Um, it's what happens when the cross comes in that leads to this goal. Yeah, I mean this this goal was like ninety five percent on Wambasaka. Like I just I've watched this goal so many times from so many angles. I have no idea what he's doing. It's not like he loses the header. He's just like floating in space. Like he he's not even really oriented towards the ball. I I, I don't want to like rag on the dude, but this is awful. And I, I don't know. This is a repeating theme. He's really bad in the air. We know this for a defender. Um. Martinez is right in front of him, um, and you can make the argument that a taller center back makes the play on this ball and Wambasaka doesn't have to. I think, A, that's questionable. Um, not impossible, but questionable. Yeah, which is why I say this goal is 95% Wambasaka, because maybe you can attribute that 5% elsewhere. But, like, I don't know. Wambasaka's there. He just needs to make a play on the ball which he, he doesn't even come close to doing. It's not even like he gets beaten. The guy... He, He's standing. He, uh, I think, is it Boley who scores? It's Boley. He's not even. He's not even jumping. He, he didn't even jump. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't. I think we've covered this. I'm not yeah. worried about this going forward, except that Wambasaka is going to continue to play and be responsible for marking people at set pieces. Yeah, I think we've. I think we've said our bit on Wambasaka over the weeks. I think we should leave it there. Um, let's talk about United's play overall in this match. Now that we've covered those two goals. I thought they were a lot better than they were in either of the first two games after these two goals. And for a number of reasons, we already talked about the role of game state. The next thing I want to talk about is the changes in the front line. Um, how much do you think, honestly, I don't even think Martial had a good game here, but how much do you think his presence changed United's ability to make plays stick and play around a focal point? Because I, I thought that, he allowed United to get out of build-up a few times in situations where Rashford was struggling in the first two games. Yeah, I, I definitely think his presence was huge, but more because it f- allowed Rashford to be out left, where he obviously had a huge impact on the game. I, I just don't remember United struggling to progress the ball very much, even centrally. Um, there were a lot of really big pockets. Erickson, Bruno, Casemiro, Anthony all found the found space in between the lines. I do remember a time, a couple of times Martial did. Um, but in general, I was pretty underwhelmed by Martial in this match. Yeah, I'm not, I, I really, we've, again, we've done the spiel on Martial and I think, I think it's worth anyone who's a new listener to, to go back and listen to weeks where Martial played or season previews or probably even some of the stuff we did with Tifo. Um, for more on Martial and why we don't really think he's that viable of a striker, even when he is fit. Um, I just think that what he does add is this ability to hold off defenders with his back to goal that United's other forwards just do not really have at all. 
or at least the center forwards don't have. Um, and I thought that that helped United get out of their half in situations where in the first two games, Rashford was, was not able to draw fouls. He's getting muscled off the ball. And like he said, I do think him, I do think Rashford playing at left wing was also a big change here. Rashford was for me, the best player on the pitch in this game. Um, and I think that him playing on the left was a big part of that. Like he was able to just get on the ball and run at defenders the entire match. It definitely isn't like a net huge impact, I don't think. But it was there were definitely a few scenarios where I thought United wouldn't have gotten out of build up there. But I mean either which way, I guess I guess a better conclusion for this is would you start Martial against Arsenal or would you go to Sancho? Um interesting question. Can I pick Hoyland? <laughs> um <laughs> Is Hoyland available? If so, yes. I think he's getting close. I don't know if they actually expect him to be back by now, but if not for the Arsenal match, I think he's, he's expected to be back after the the break. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. I got, I'm like totally 50-50 on this. I can see both sides of it. I just think Martial was very poor. Like he just didn't do much when he got the ball. He didn't, his movement was really bad in this match, irrespective of what he didn't hold up. Just, you know, so far behind play in so many instances where United were in a position to create threat, penetrate the box, create a big chance. He was not there. But yeah, I, what, what, what would you do? What would your pick be? I mean, in spite of what I just said, I, I lean towards Sancho, but more just on the basis of I think Sancho is currently more likely to impact the game in possession than Martial, and not because I think he solves any particular need from this position right now. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I I'm sold. We can I I guess I'll go Sancho. I I guess we can make this a broader conversation about the attackers because I did think the decision making was largely better in this game. I mean, I do think there were moments particularly from Bruno where kind of some unnecessary shots in particular killing attacks early, but for the most part, I mean, I thought Bruno was really effective in this match. I think he pulled off stuff that he wasn't pulling off in the first two games. And same with Anthony, really. I thought this was a much better match from Anthony, even though the frustrating thing is even when he's effective, he still isn't like a massive goal threat. Um, and then I, and then I do think Martial made better decisions than Garnacho had in the first two games, which adds a little bit more there too. It, it felt like United were able to the definitely through the press. Um, and also the press didn't have to be as good as it did in the first two games because this was a team that was worse at building out. Um, but also through, I think the decisions in possession, United created a lot of chances here where they could have scored, um, lots of midfielders flooding the box and getting on shot opportunities, a couple of really good moments from set pieces. I thought this was a much better attacking performance. I have a lot of thoughts here, actually. I agree. Uh, the attackers, the individual performances were significantly better. With regard to Anthony, I think these are just the matches that suit him, where you're camped in against an opposition side, just because it puts him in a position where it puts him in a position where he can get volume on the ball. He can, you know, United can get numbers forward, and he can sort of try to connect things, work with combination play, drive inside, play off of other players. Um, we saw a lot of that, and those were his, his good mo- good moments. So, yeah, agreed, Anthony, better in this match. But again, um, I mean, seven shot, shot creating actions, 0.2 expected goals, 0.4 expected assists. Those are really good numbers. 
but I still don't feel like he broke the broke the match open, which is you know still what you're waiting on, still what you need. And I, at this point, I don't know that it's going to happen. Um, as for the other players, Bruno, yeah, I think the only thing, I mean, he was fantastic in this match. Just, I mean, if Bruno plays like this every match, United are going to score a lot of goals because when he's really going, he's so he's a really fantastic footballer. Um, yeah, just making stuff happen here. He took a couple of ill-advised shots, or, or at least, you know, long-distance shots. I'm going to be honest, I don't hate them in the context of this match, where you're chasing a match, you don't have a really big box threat, um, which means you're, you're turning a lot of control and a lot of territory into inconsistently high-quality shots. The first United goal actually comes from a Bruno long shot. Um, that rebounds out. Martial collects the rebound, gives it to Rashford. He beats him, he beats a man and, and crosses it for Ericsson. I, I yeah, I just don't hate those shots in the context of this match. But you know, next next week I could be complaining about Bruno long shots. So um, yep, and then Rashford really really good. Three he created all three goals. Uh, beats a man on the dribble, crosses, great cross, goal. Really love. I love everything about that. Aurier is out of position. He recognizes it, beats him to the bot, commits the ball to a spot, beats him to the byline, drives the ball across the six-yard box, and there's someone there. Um, props to Erickson. He's one of the only players in the team who does this, consistently hits that six-yard box. Second goal, great cross. Uh, nothing else to say about that. Third goal, beats a man again. What else can you ask for? This is what wingers are supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the combination of that and... Like I said, the ability to dominate Forrest pretty much from start to end or from second goal to end. Yeah, totally agreed. I, I think this sort of leaves space for a couple of conversations. Let's talk about the out-of-possession stuff for a little bit because you said, you know, this is a different situation. Um, this is a side that builds worse. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, I think you you had you have the benefit of the second watch here where I think you'll be able to get into more specifics, but... The main things I noticed were, you know, um, in particular, I think this is a side with less press-resistant midfielders and a goalkeeper with much worse ability on the ball. And United were very effectively forcing the ball back to Turner and then saying to Turner, basically, hit your striker from long or we're going to win the ball back. Which is, in a way, what we were complaining about teams doing to United with De Gea last season. Um, Turner was kicking it long with reasonable accuracy, but once you get into those situations, for the most part, you had United's back four and central midfielders doubling up on those situations with Forest attackers winning the ball back and winning it around the half line. So that meant that, you know, if you win the ball at the half line, you don't even need to do the deep build-up stuff that much. You kind of just get back into possession phases. And so there were long spells of this match where United were just camped in Forest half, as you said, uh, as a result of that. Um, in terms of counter-pressing moments there were definitely fewer high turnovers in this game I think that has to do with Forrest trying to build out of the pressure less um, I don't think it has to do with United being worse in the press um, you talked about the fullbacks jumping in the press earlier when we were chatting about this I would say I definitely agree with that Dalo and Wambasaka were very high up the pitch a few times um, your hypothesis I think was that it's because United were losing I pretty much agree with that. I think if if this was an intentional choice, which it sure looked like it was, um, 
it was with an eye of we need to create enough chances to score three goals. Otherwise, we don't get three points from this match. Um, and did it make the press more dominant? Yeah, I'd say it did. It also possibly increases risk, but I don't think we saw the fruit of that risk given that Forest were just so much less potent in attack than the likes of Spurs um, in particular. Yeah, I think you nailed all of that. I think what I would add is the following. First, just to reiterate what you said, I do think because United were trailing here, they were more aggressive with their fullbacks in the press, and that had positive, that bear, that bore fruit, because to a certain extent it forced forced to go long. I would add on, there were also moments where United's fullbacks didn't jump, and Turner just booted it long anyway, which I think that just kind of comes down to, you know, I... This is starting to sound vindictive, maybe, but I just don't think this four side are very good. They have a couple good players, like you said, but I don't. I think Turner is a very bad goalkeeper. I think he had a lot of bad moments in this match, um, not the least of which being his decision making when and general quality when Forrest were building out, and it played right into our hand, hands. And it's a big part of why we were able to control this match. I'm I'm going to jump to defensive Turner and say I think there's a good chance a large sample will prove him to be a good shot stopper, but he is very objectively not good on the ball, and that's something we've known about him and why Arsenal ultimately chose to let him go to Forest, uh, because they wanted a goalkeeper who could offer more on the ball. Uh, one more note on this. Um, I thought I thought Eriksen had a good match. To what extent do you think he affected United's play in and out of possession here compared to Mount? Yeah, great question. I, I wanted to talk about this. Erickson definitely was was good in this match. Uh, I think it's also, you know, sort of going back to what I said about Anthony, this is an Erickson match. Like, this is just the perfect, you know, this is a side that wasn't stressing United's press too much. So Erickson wasn't put in a position to have to win a lot of duels, to make a lot of, to, to engage in a lot of pressing because Forrest were largely just bypassing the press. Um, and as a result... United had a ton of possession, and as we all know, Eriksen is, is very good in possession. And I think, in particular, because United didn't have a natural left back in this match, that also really played into Eriksen's hands, because Eriksen was dropping into that left fullback space a lot of the time, where Dallow was inverting, and sort of just pulling the strings on the left side, um, yeah, making stuff happen, scores that goal, obviously. I think that's also something Mount does, though, makes those those finishing runs. So uh, I'm not sure you're getting a huge plus minus there. Um, I guess the big question, because I think the pressing, the answer is obvious that this is a match-specific thing. And, you know, the goal, I don't think there's a big difference between the two players. The big question is the in-possession stuff. Aaron, do you think that Erickson's greater volume on the ball in this match was down to his personal tendencies, or do you think this was down to game state um, United having an absurd amount of possession? I think in the through the first ten minutes they had like ninety percent possession, even with the two goals. I think by the end of the match, it obviously wasn't that high, but it was really high. It was I think sixty six percent possession. Um, that's a huge outlier for United as a team uh, in general. So thoughts. Yeah, I mean, one thing people have remarked on a lot is that Mount didn't really get on the ball a lot in his first two games, and it does seem like he plays quite high up the pitch in build-up. It's impossible to tell whether that's an opposition-based thing or a game-state-based thing, 
based on the sample we have so far. This really resembled what Erickson was doing last season um, in terms of the, the Forest game. And so what I'd say is this. I think Mount can do what Erickson did in this game. I don't really think he necessarily was doing it in the first two games. I'd say he definitely was not. And I, it seems to me like it's instructional. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know that it, I don't think it's instructional. I'll be honest. I'll say this. You think Erickson's dropping deeper more often to pick up the ball than Mount would? Yes, but I'm, I'm going to, I have a couple specific things, specific thoughts about it. Forest had a lot of space between their lines. What this means is you don't need to overload them to create, uh, to penetrate their lines, to create disorder, uh, to create chances. So it means you need fewer numbers ahead of the ball in a lot of phases. Um, because you don't need to overload central or wide areas. You can just sort of roll with the space they're giving you. And it allows you to have an extra player in deeper areas. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I would say. I think if you're playing as a more organized block, for instance, Wolves' block, you'd need a midfielder higher up uh, in between the lines, creating overloads. And we saw Mount do that against Wolves. Um, as for the tendency question, yeah, I do think, I do think Erickson just generally likes to be in these spaces, partially because he's less athletic and worse in, in, in smaller spaces and is a really good ball striker and really good when he's not under pressure. And this is a match where he could do those things. Um, so, you know, you saw him play to his strengths and his strengths are very real and he had a very positive impact here. Um, but I don't know how many teams you're going to play where the added value of a player whose tendencies are what Erickson's are, are higher than a player whose tendencies are what mounts are. Uh, and those tendencies obviously correspond to their strengths. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Uh, the other thing I would add, and I think this is kind of to your point, is if Mount were playing in this match, do I think he would have been dropping into deeper spaces? Yeah, I do. Not because of tactical instruction, just because that's how this game was going. There was no need to have Mount tire up the to have Erickson or Mount tire up the pitch. You know, had plenty of numbers. Force were open. This was not. Uh, yeah, like I've, I've already said it all. Um, there was good reason for Erickson to drop here. If Mount were playing, he would have been dropping too. I don't think in the same volume because of per individual tendencies, but I do think he would have been doing it. And also, I think it's kind of silly and like plays into online discourse to even be doing this comparison because it's like, you know what I mean? Uh, should Erickson or Mount be starting? Blech, it's one match. Whether Erickson was incredible or terrible, it would not be a good argument for whether Mount should be starting or not or Erickson should be starting or not. Okay, so one of the things we talk about a lot on this podcast is... Uh, the importance of being able to break down teams that set up in low blocks at the highest level. Um, and Forrest would be an example of one of those teams. We've talked a fair bit in this episode about how we think their block is sub-elite. Um, it's not particularly effective in many different ways. In particular, the allowance of space between lines horizontally. However, another way to break down these sides, or to increase the proportion of the uh, of times with which 
teams break down these sides is through set pieces. And historically, in the last few seasons, teams like Man City, Liverpool, and Arsenal have scored way more attacking set pieces than United have. However, I think United were quite effective from set pieces in this match and actually created the equalizer uh, from a free kick. Yeah, so the equalizer actually came from an indirect free kick that was taken by Bruno. Rashford plays it. Um, a ball over the top that's really nice into a run from Bruno right after he took the kick, and then he's able to lay it off to Casemiro, who just taps the ball into an open net. Great set-piece routine. United had a few different set-piece routines in this match. I'm not saying that this is going to be a recurring theme of the season. I think I'm just remarking that I would love for it to be. Yeah. If you look at chance generation last season... And this is a bit reductive, and I'm not... You could you could infer that I'm making a really big statement here that I'm not making from what I'm about to say. So just keep in mind that I'm not making the statement that you're going to think I'm making. Statistically speaking, in terms of chance generation last season, the only difference between United's attack and Arsenal's attack was what they generated at set pieces. If you look at the expected goals created, the Almost the entire delta between Arsenal's expected goals created and United's are set-piece goals. Um, United just did not create from set-pieces, and Arsenal really did. United finished third, and Arsenal finished second. Do I think that is the only difference between the two sides? No. And if you don't quote me as having said that, because it's not what I'm saying. What I am trying to, the point I'm trying to make is, this can be, set-pieces can be like an extra 10-goal-a-season striker. That you just, you coach into the team. Um, That's why I loved that set-piece goal. That's why I loved Bruno taking that uh, free kick short to Dallow. And Dallow's just like not ready for it. It was the right choice in my opinion. I was actually thinking it before he took it that way. I was like, Dallow's like point blank here. Nobody is is marking him. And he did make the, he made the pass and Dallow just wasn't really there for it. Um, That would have been a huge chance. Uh, and there were a couple of other really good set-piece routines that I liked in this match. Um, and that's pretty rare for us. There, we take a lot of really questionable set-pieces offensively. Um, so yeah, I also hope that this is a trend going forward. I'm, I'm not holding my breath, though. Awesome. I think we got one more topic from this match, which is the fact that United seem to be racking up quite the injury list. Varane went off with an injury, which adds to the list of injured starters in Shaw, Mount... And now Hoyland, we're seeing United kind of go into the low-budget loan market with some rumors linking them to left-backs, some rumors linking them to some central midfielders. Whether any of those happen, I don't know, but I think it's relatively unlikely any player who doesn't currently play for the club starts at Arsenal on Sunday. And so that leaves me a little bit worried with what United are going to do here. Um, In particular, at right-back, and in midfield, where you're choosing between either Erickson or Scott McTominay to play next to Casemiro as it stands. What do you think about this, and how would you line United up going into this Arsenal match? Based, if, if we assume that everyone who's injured is not available for this match, I think you go Onana, Dallo, Martinez... Lindelof, Wambasaka, Casemiro, Erickson, 
Bruno, Rashford, Sancho, Anthony. Kind of picks itself. Only thing is, who are you bringing off the bench? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thought of Erickson really worries me against this Arsenal side, but I don't really think you have a choice. You could play Sancho in midfield um, and play Martial up top. That is actually an option. I might do that, actually. I think I would pick Erickson. <laughs> Maybe. I have to give it more thought. I, I think I'd just stick with Erickson at that point. I don't think the upside is worth revamping the entire team. I think Sancho makes you a lot more athletic, and I don't think it's a complete revamp. We ran we ran out Bruno as the second deepest midfielder a couple of times last season. Like five, five between. I'm going to say between five and eight times last season. Yeah, it definitely isn't as tried and tested as Erickson and Casemiro, though. No, not tried and tested, but I also think um, Erickson Those matches Cas- weren't bad, though. Yeah, they were fine. They often were not against great opposition. But, I don't know, I, I just think tried and tested isn't necessarily, like, the be-all, end-all here. I think Erickson... I think there's a huge chance Erickson just gets rings run around him pressing against Arsenal. We'll see. Without Mount, this is the kind of this is a, this is the Mount this is this is the match where I really wish we had Mount and Hoyland. Like it just really it's brutal not to have the two players who are supposed to make the difference here for you. Um, Hoyland is an outball Mount as you know, super super high quality out of possession player. Not much more to say. I mean, I'd even say it would be nice to have Fred for this game if Mount was going to be out, but I, I'm not optimistic going into that match, but we'll see how it goes. Me neither. I think the only way we win this match is if we get an early goal. In terms of transfers, just real quick, Amrabat is clearly the midfield guy you want. It, it would be so so ridiculous if they did not get him, given the reports that are coming out. He's not in the Fiorentina squad anymore because he specifically wants United. The price tag is not that high. These are like basically like blue chip like links that are coming out about this. I will be so disappointed if this does not happen. Uh, beyond that, the other midfield links, who else are we linked to? Gravenberg. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. Good player. Not Amrabat, like just completely different player. Um, I think he'll give, he, I definitely would rather him in a lot of matches be playing than Erickson. He'll, he's an athlete, but He's not like your deepest lying midfielder, for sure. Um, yeah, to, to me, it feels like a response to Mount getting injured as opposed to addressing a squad need, whereas Amrabat is addressing a squad need. Yeah, and then uh, at fullback, Alonso we're linked to, Kukurea we're linked to, and Reguilon. Um, the only one in there who I have any interest in is Kukurea, um, and that interest is limited. <laughs> A lot of people would probably scoff at that given his last year or so, but Kukureo is actually a really proficient presser and decent in possession for Brighton. Um, I think that would actually be a decent move as It'd be fine. an interim option until you get Shaw back and Malasia back. Yeah. Yeah, Re- Regulon's time in England really worries me. Um, And then Marcus Alonso is, is just very not, not good. good. Not a good Like, player. I think... Yeah. I. I would honestly rather probably play Juan Bissaka than run out Marcus Alonso. I would, I would rather play Alvaro Fernandez, like to be honest. Like Oh yeah, for like sure. Easily. I think I I think I would be playing Fernandez and Dalo. I just think it might be too big of a step yeah. to go for the Arsenal game. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed on that. Um Okay, I think that kind of covers the transfer links. We'll do more on those if they become relevant. Gosh, I really hope we get on robot. I will be so upset if that does not happen. Um, 
What I was going to say earlier that I didn't say is United are third in the Premier League in open play expected goals. They are third in the Premier League in set-piece expected goals. The only sides that are ahead of them in open play expected goals are Aston Villa and Brighton. The only sides that are ahead of them in set-piece expected goals are Chelsea and Brentford. Um, I like those. I like that fact. That makes me happy. Uh, they're still leading the Premier League in high ball wins. Th- those are good things. Uh, I think in, it, there's a ton of noise going on there. A uh, ton of variance. This is a three-match sample. But once again, I think... A very weird three-match A very sample. weird three-match sample. But once again, I think on balance, things look really good right now. Um, and it, it's easy to not feel that way because there's also some really big question marks. But this is a good team that's played, you know, 15 bad minutes against Brentford, um, which honestly I would argue the first five minutes weren't even bad. They just featured some huge in like errors more than like overall poor performance. Yeah, uh, sorry, Brentford, uh, Forest. Um, 15 poor minutes against Forest. Spurs, I would argue like 20 poor minutes, 25 poor minutes. Um, and Wolves, a mess of a second half, but that's still mostly playing well. And in the moments when they were good, I think they were a lot better than the moments where they were bad. Um, I am still positive. I actually think that this past week's match was a really big positive development. Uh, any, any disagreement there, Aaron? Uh, for the most part, I agree. I, I think... I can see where the personnel limitations are going to arise and limit this team from being, I think, very good. Um, But I still don't think I've seen anything to say this team won't be right in the mix for top four, which is what we said at the start of the season. So happy days for the most part, I think. And, And ultimately, I think the ceiling of this team is higher than last season. So for sure, nothing really to complain about here, even though it's been... A super weird three games. Yeah. Um, almost nothing conventional to take yeah. from. <laughs> nothing normal from these first three matches. And the injuries only make it harder to judge. In the, in the hopes of uh, creating a little bit of parity here, just to share all the information with you, United are 7th in the Premier League in set-piece expected goals conceded. Um, yeah, they're vaguely in the ballpark of fifth and sixth as well. Tottenham and Luton Town have conceded less as well, um, as have Crystal Palace, Newcastle, Everton, and City. From open play, things are uglier. Uh, one of the worst open play defenses in the league so far. We've discussed why that is. I'm still not that worried about it, uh, but the sides that have had worse defenses are Brighton, Sheffield, Luton Town, Wolves, and Fulham. So that obviously needs to be better going forward. Uh, anything else to add on the football side, Aaron? I think that's all. That's all on the football side? Okay. <laughs> on to Arsenal. On to Arsenal. Uh, pray. Okay. No details. This is the segment where we allow you to ask anything you want, but with one caveat. The questions cannot be about football. Case, you sent out the no details invite this week. What did we get? Okay, we're going to answer... I'm going to ask three, but if you don't have answers to two of them, we're going to skip right over them. First, from Alex Towels, Aaron, can you swim? Yes. I can swim yes, I as can. well. I stopped a couple levels short of being a lifeguard. I was a lifeguard for four years, a beach lifeguard. Uh, I can swim, Alex. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, we've got another one from Paul. Paul asks, favorite non-football podcast? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I've started listening to If Books Could Kill recently, and it's really, really good. Um, essentially, the idea is they take books that have reached a lot of popularity, um, particularly books that are kind of in the space of what I would describe as like pseudoscience, um, and they break down areas in which the books are constructive um, and ways in which the books are maybe slightly problematic and spread misinformation. It's a it's a really fun pod and really well hosted as well. Good answer. Um, I have two answers. My real answer is Sox Prospects, which is a Red Sox podcast that's just incredibly detailed and kind of in the <laughs> same vein as what we do here, uh, except for baseball. So that's my real answer, and that you're probably not going to be interested in that, Paul, but, and I apologize for that. Uh, otherwise, I listen to Huberman Lab, which I think most people will know. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about it. There's just a lot of really good scientific, scientifically backed information in there about how to take care of yourself. I don't take all of the advice, but I, I would rather know the information than not. So I'll say that much. Just for those who don't know, it's a podcast hosted by a PhD uh, professor at Stanford. Uh, who talks about neuroscience predominantly and other things. And our last question, which is also my favorite question, this is from Alex Emberton. Technically, we're cheating here because this is kind of about football. Aaron, favorite United kit? Oh, okay. For starters, I don't actually know exactly what year it is, but you know the one where Cantona is wearing. That's, that's my answer. That's my answer, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, give a, I'll give a second choice just in case. There's a 2018-19. It's the only good kit in the Chevrolet era. It's the third kit. Um, it is blue and gold. And it's epic. In spite of the Chevrolet logo. I think the Cantona kit that we're thinking of is, I want to say it's 93-94. The green and gold. With the collar. I think we, I'm, I might be wrong that it's 93-94. I think it's 93-94 though. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, that's the one. That's my answer as well. Uh, I love that kit. Um, otherwise, I love last year's home kit. I love that. I love that kit. I love collars. I'll just be honest. Collars are, are definitely... Yeah, same. I'm big on collars. Otherwise... Um, I also think they work well for United. Like, I think the, the red kit with the white collar works really nicely. Yeah, and I also feel like it sets, them, like, sets you apart from the other red kits in the league um arsenal often wear collars as well but still i think it has like a good effect in that way i also really really like the 1990 91 blue and whites which are what inspired the away kits two years ago the ronaldo year um the rangnick year the solstar sacked year horrible horrible year of football but i love those kits because they're inspired by another kit that i absolutely love um yeah those are my favorites yeah, in recent years, not that many come to mind. I actually really like this year's kits, to be honest. I think these are the best set we've had in a long time. Um, and then, yeah, the 2019 with Pogba. The the Cantona, there's a green and gold one, and then there is also a red and white one. They're both fantastic. Yeah. Yep, also really good. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. Honestly, I also have Aaron, positive I've... memories of the like checkered one with Van Persie. Yeah, of course, of course. But that, I feel like that has more to do with the nostalgia around it than... Um... Yes. Correct, yeah. Than the actual kit itself. I also really like, um, I'll be honest, I've liked the recent year kits. Like, 
the Rangnick year, and then last year, I liked two of the three kits both years, which is pretty rare. The Chevrolet era was so bad in comparison. Like, since we've gone team viewer, I feel like the kits have been so much better, and I like them this year, too. But yeah, all-time, definitely the, the Canton Green and Gold, I think, is what I would go. Or the 1991 Blue and Whites. One of those two. Love those kits. All right. Alex, I love that question. Thanks for that. All right, A.A. Ron, it is time to call it a day. <laughs> Oh, that's definitely not the first time I've gotten that one. But yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. I feel like this is a weird game, but also probably our first routine episode in a long time. Um, So hopefully you enjoyed and we'll be back for next week against Arsenal. And in general, yeah, hopefully the end of the transfer window brings one or two names our way and we'll have something else to talk about next week other than that match. Otherwise, have a great week and we'll see you next time. See you next time, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this week's Devils in the Details. You can follow us at Devils ITD Pod on Twitter or on a variety of streaming platforms. Our awesome theme music was made by Jacob Connor. You can find at Jacob J. Connor on Twitter. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.